Welcome to the Colby Cast, episode 122. Thank you for joining us. The second grade year is a wonderful year when the student's mind is like a sponge, absorbing whatever is presented to it, aligned with the year that many of those students are preparing for their first confession and communion. Regular guest Nicola Connor returns to the Colby Cast, along with Colby Online second grade instructors Colleen Goodwin and Marissa Pignon, to discuss this wonderful time for the students and the lifelong fruits that can come from this important year in the student's life. We hope that you'll enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, liturgical musician, popcorn and podcast fanatic, and Colby homeschooling mom to four lads and lasses of middle and high school age. And this is Stephen, homeschooling father of five and director of development for Colby Academy. Elementary school today, Cape. Okay? You ready? I, I think so. <laughs> I think I'm ready. What do you remember about second grade? Shooting pencils across the classroom. Oh wow! In, it was at a certain recess. I don't remember why I was staying inside, but <laughs> um, but that's that stands out as a, a memory. I'm not sure why I was doing it, um, <laughs> and I didn't get into trouble for doing it, but. It's like inside recess. Pencils across the classroom. <laughs> yeah, it was at recess. The teacher wasn't in the room at the time. It was okay. okay. All right. Okay. Well, my memories of my own second grade experience are, are a bit hazy. I would have to think on that for a while. And they're, they're, in general, not terribly fantastic. But but my kids seem to have, on the whole, very positive trips through second grade when it was each their turn. Uh, for three of them, there was tie-dye involved in a dear teacher at their parochial school who routinely went the extra mile for them. My youngest child, though, uh, second grade was her first year homeschooling, so I'm not sure she'd say the same about her second grade experience, but I know for sure there was no tie-dye happening because I was not doing that. It was an end-of-the-year thing for the, the second grade class where my kids had gone before that. Anyhow, today I'm happy to welcome back friend of the Colby cast and director of elementary online learning, Mrs. Nicole O'Connor, and meet Colby online second grade teachers, Mrs. Colleen Goodwin and Ms. Marissa Pignon. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. Hello. Yeah, thanks for having us. Sure. Let's get to know Colleen and Marissa a bit, starting with Colleen. Would you tell us your Colby story and a bit about yourself? My Colby story. Um, yeah, I've been with Colby almost since the beginning. <laughs> um, I think I, I started a month or two after uh, the first online uh, second grade year. Okay. So this is my third year with the Colby on the online program. Um, I have been teaching second grade for, this is my 12th year teaching second grade. Um, so I graduated from Thomas Aquinas College and started teaching um, at a private school in uh, Southern California right away, started teaching second grade and was there for uh, five years and then moved back up to Northern California where I'm from and started teaching in a one room schoolhouse. Oh, wow. I had a lot of grades, but my focus was second grade. Um, and then taught for another private school. And again, was second grade, it's my favorite grade. And then um, started with Colby. So this is my third year with Colby and I'm just loving it. I love teaching second grade with Colby. Good deal. Outside of school, what kind of things do you 
like to do or what are you interested in? My, my husband and I um, just bought uh, a place. Uh, we have four acres and a house and a barn and we love gardening and we raise chickens. We have a lot of cats, <laughs> a dog, lots of animals and lots of gardens. So that's kind of our, our main focus. And then we also have two little girls. Um, so we're just kind of living in the country. And I mean, I say living the dream. It's our dream. That's what we do. That's neat. That's fun. That's neat. I remember when I interviewed you, Colleen, I loved your plans. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I hired you, but I remember noticing all the beautiful plants in your background. And <laughs> I have a lot of indoor plants too. Yeah, we're we're plant lovers for sure. You got the green thumb. Marissa, how about you? Yeah. Um, so I am from Southwest Michigan area. Um, and actually it's funny because my Colby story starts even way before I was even a teacher here or even like thought of becoming a teacher, um, because I was homeschooled, um, and was a former Colby student. So, which Mm. is kind of fun. So I wasn't a part of the virtual program, but we did use their homeschool program, um, when I was in middle school. So that was kind of a fun little treat. Um, yeah, so I grew up in Southwest Michigan. Um, kind of did a hybrid of schooling. Um, my parents were very um, strong in the Catholic school movement. They love Catholic schooling and believe in what it does for education, for families in the church. Um, and so I went to Catholic school um, up until my fifth grade year. And then they decided to pull me out and try homeschooling a bit. We had a couple um, families here in the area who had a really unique like Catholic community um, of homeschooling families and yeah, so we started doing that and I loved it. Um, did a little bit of Colby during that time and it kind of opened the door into me seeing like, oh, I would love to one day like have my hand in homeschooling, but also have my hand in like other forms of education and kind of navigating what that would look like. Um, and so I ended up going to college and got my degree in teaching um, from Western Michigan University in 2020. So I'm I'm fairly new. <laughs> um, and then Shortly after that, I became um, a bit of a private homeschool coach, worked for a local family here in town um, and just kind of did life with them and worked with them on how to establish good practices in the home for homeschooling, working with both the mom and the student as well. And yeah, through that, I found Colby, their teaching side, and um, the rest is kind of history. I'm here. This is my second year. So I'm really excited to be here. And it's been so great. That's a wonderful blend. Yeah, it's been fun. What do you like to do outside of teaching? Being in Michigan, we very much have the four seasons. So we have really hard summers, really hard winters, very thick falls. So just being outside, honestly, going for walks with my family, um, try and do that like almost every day, especially being in a virtual format. So that's been like a huge breath of fresh air, no pun intended. Um, But yeah, just being outside with my family, cooking is super fun, baking, yeah, we're a very close-knit family, so I love spending time with them. Are you smitten with the mitten, as many of my Michigan friends Oh, for <laughs> sure. I know. I was debating whether to introduce myself by holding up my hand. I don't know if, like, this is going to be a video thing, but... Alas, no. Yeah, if you want to know, we're right here. <laughs> That's so handy. Pardon the pun. That didn't even mean that. <laughs> Nicole, how are things going so far this school year? you have any tie-dye involved yet? 
No tie-dye. I did buy a pair of roller skates, though. So (laughs) there is fun to be had. So it's been a great year. Um, Things are going well. Um, You know, it's our third year with the program. So I feel like teachers are in a groove. Our returning families are in a groove. And I just feel... I feel very hopeful for all of the progress that we've been able to make and that we'll continue to make. So I'm just sitting around and enjoying and enjoying working with my teachers. I always tell them they're the best people to work with. So among you guys as well, I love working at Colby. So another, another good year on the books um, that we're headed towards. These inline skates or the uh, kind of 70s style roller skates? These are quads. So they're the blocky ones. I was telling my team. So I used to figure skate. I figure skated forever as a child, um, almost to the point of homeschooling. And then we, we determined that I was done. (laughs) I I didn't go to the next level. Um, but I was, uh, my girls are at that age now where they're really wanting to get into all the different outdoor sports and I'm not very athletic. So this is me picking up my torch and trying to be athletic once again. That's a great solution. All right, we have done episodes on upper elementary and lower elementary. Those would be numbers 81 and 82, which we'll link in our show notes. But second grade didn't come up in either discussion. Why devote an entire episode to second grade? Second grade is special on a lot of different levels. So I think it's very appropriate that we have our own episode Mm -hmm. um, for it. On just a developmental level, it's very much this bridge year where, you know, kinder and first, we're we're really focused on a lot of foundational skills, just holding their pencil, making good habits, forming pre-reading skills, making sure they take off with their reading. And by second grade, we really hope that good habits have been formed. And we hope that in second grade, we're able to reinforce, reestablish, and set them up with such a strong foundation that they are ready for more independence in third, fourth, and fifth. So it takes a very special person, I think, to have the bridge capability where you're pulling from those kids who have just kind of got, we hope have gotten a good foundation and then bringing them across the finish line of getting ready for third grade and really taking on some things for themselves. Um, Especially with literature, second grade is the first year that we introduce literature study at Colby. Uh, You know, kids, kids jump off with reading at different points. And so, you know, in second quarter of second grade, we do our first novel study with them. We read children. So I think on that front, it deserves its own episode just because it's this wonderful bridge. But then as we all know, there's something very special that happens in our church for many of our students in second grade. So um, the first communion year. So, you know, again, we lay those foundations in kinder and first. And then in second, we really seek to make sure they're prepared for that sacrament, uh, focusing on the Baltimore Catechism, or we use the first communion catechism, Um, and bringing them through that faith and life series. So when they get to their first communion, you know, our students, it's at all different points, depending on their parish and depending on um, what's going on for them, but just making sure that's our focus for the year uh, and that the teachers are well-equipped to guide them through that. You mentioned in our prep for this that it is the most sought-after grade level for teachers applying to Colby. That's very interesting. It is. So, you know, obviously very core to our mission. When we're interviewing any teacher for Colby, their experience with the faith and, you know, their desire to teach religion is number one thing I look at. Um, And so often I'll ask, what's your favorite grade level to teach to kind of get to know them better, get to know their experience. 
And often the answer is second because of the first thing in preparation. They're like, oh, you know, that light bulb, that, that experience of getting to see them experience such a, a pivotal sacrament is such a gift. And, and so, um, yeah, these two fit the bill, but it is very much a, a, a well sought after place in our program. So what are some of your reasons for second grade being your favorite? Colleen, you mentioned that in your introduction, that it's your favorite grade. What, what about it? Well, I mean, a lot of what Nicole just said, it's such a special year um, for students, especially if they're receiving their first communion. And we also do um, first reconciliation prep as well, which mm-hmm. is kind of like, you know, it's not as flashy as first communion, but it's so important. Um, mm-hmm. It's a really important thing to to teach kids how to approach confession um, and to try to um, calm their nerves about something that's not necessarily (laughs) super comfortable. I think that anyone might admit like confession can be an intimidating thing. So teaching kids how how to navigate that and what you know what it's what it's really about and um, just Jesus's love for us and forgiveness and uh, that's really special. Um, so I, I really love second grade for that reason. Uh, a lot of it being the religion prep for the first communion and first confession, but also they're just, um, second graders are just amazing. It's just, it's, it's the best age. I think they're still really docile learners. They, they, they want to know so many things and they have, they don't have very much experience yet. So every every new thing you teach them can has the capacity to just kind of blow their mind. You know, if you, if you're excited about it and you're like, think about this, this is amazing. They get so excited about it too. And I, I just love that the enthusiasm um, that comes from that, you know, six, seven, eight year old range. And especially it comes when they're learning how to read because, well, they, they should hopefully be learning how to read before second grade, but really like Nicole said, starting our first novel study, just like sitting down and reading a book, it just kind of opens up a whole new world for that age level. You know, a whole new world of like, I can read now, like I can sit down and pick any book on my bookshelf and I can read it and I can like, it can live in my imagination. And I think that stage is really, just really special. And, um, just that moment of discovery of all these things is kind of a fleeting time. Like it's just, you know, and then, it, then it becomes like, Oh, maybe I have to read or maybe I have to do this and I have to get better at that. Hopefully not. But that whole moment of discovery for them is, it just seems to happen in second grade. And so I'm really happy that I get to be part of that. It's a sweet time. What about for you, Marissa? Are there, what makes second grade so special for you? Yeah. I mean, I think Colleen basically hit the nail right on the head. Um, When I was in college, um, people would always ask like, you know, you're an elementary teacher, what would be your ideal grade level? Um, And for some reason, whenever I was asked, it was always second grade, but I didn't necessarily know why. Um, But in my time, like working with them in college and both outside of college, like Colleen was saying, um, they're docile learners, but they have such... um, they're, they're so innocent still, but yet they still have that maturity that they're building, um, both in their thinking, but in the way they interact with others. Um, and just communicating with them is so fun because like I said, they have that innocence, 
but they can joke around with you a little bit and they understand stories and they can hold a conversation. And that's what I think is just so uh, like a little contagious factor about second grade is because of the students themselves and their development. On the Catholic perspective, I think being a Catholic teacher, first communion prep and first confession prep is obviously a huge thing that was just on my heart. I think when second grade, the second grade position arose. And I remember last year, last year was my first year teaching second grade for Colby. And just moving through the curriculum, like Nicole had mentioned, we use the Faith and Life series. We use um, the New St. Joseph First Communion Catechism. And just walking through those texts and just the way that they're written um, in a way that makes so much sense for a second grade mind, but it also impacts the teacher so much. It became almost like a running joke um, during our religion classes, like, oh, Miss Pignon's going to cry because it's just like, it's so beautiful when you see the progression. Like we talk about salvation history and we talk about, um, like Colleen was saying, what, you know, like salvation history, Jesus dying on the cross for us and our sins and how that relates to us today. And it's so beautiful. And to have that, to be able to see students um, experiencing that for the first time, and even like closer to the end of the year, once spring came, I would have some families send me pictures of their child on their first communion day. And just to see them in their dresses or in their little suits um, was so special. And I still like, honestly, get goosebumps thinking about it, because it is such a special time, not just in the academic world or like even in this earthly world, but like the heavenly kingdom. It's so beautiful. Absolutely. Well, you guys have alluded to it or made reference to it many times already. So let's let's delve more deeply into the idea of the sacramental prep and how the Colby curriculum aligns with that and all the things that kind of come along with that. So one thing I'll note um, is that our our students come out of second grade very well formed. There, there's no question about that. I know though that, you know, with any sort of faith formation sacrament prep, you have to be in communication with your parish. So I always like to start there. You, you need to talk to your pastor, make sure they will accept um, the, what we're offering as a sacrament prep because some parishes won't. And it's because, you know, it's up to the diocese, it's up to the pastor. But as far as whether or not they know their stuff and whether or not they're prepared, I have every confidence that our students come out very, very prepared due to the curriculum that we use. Um, and some parishes do use the Faith and Life series for their formation. And so they have great resources for catechists. They have a lot um, available to families, specifically through that series. Um, and our approach has been very much, you know, a lot of exposure uh, to all of the concepts, but because they're so good at memorizing, we really focus on memorization. And so I'll let Colleen and Marissa share a little bit about their approach in their classrooms, but that's kind of been um, where we go to in second grade with um, the types of assignments and things we do for sacrament prep. Yeah, I'll, I can, I'll just add to that. Um, I was the director of religious education for my parish for a while, and we used the Faith and Life series. So um, I've I love the, especially the Jesus, our life, the, the second grade um, part of the faith and life series. It's a really great prep for first communion. And I've had many, many families email me and say, oh, my daughter was, my son was about to, you know, they're going to receive first communion at their parish. And the pastor quizzed them on this, that the catechism, what they know. And my student, you know, my child 
knew every single answer and they were so impressed. And um, I've had a lot of parents reach out to me just to say, you know, this first communion prep is, is really fantastic. Um, you know, either they, they do it in conjunction with what their parish offers, like maybe they do a class a week with their parish, or sometimes the parish will say, if you're doing that with your school, then that counts as your first communion prep. But like Nicole said, to, to make sure that the parents are in communication with the parish to, to make sure that the standards are lining up. But um, they, they definitely, like you, Nicole said with memorization, they're, they're firmly, second graders are just firmly in the, in the grammar stage of, uh, you know, the trivium. They're in the stage where they just memorize everything. They're just little sponges. And so we, we give them prayers to memorize. They can memorize the uh, mysteries of the rosary. They memorize poetry for us, all of these things that maybe they don't exactly know um, the hows and whys at this stage, um, but they don't need to. That's kind of the point of the whole, you know, the trivium. First, they start with memorization. So they have that, that fundamental building block. And with religion, we emphasize, you know, learning, learning the prayers, the Our Father, the Hail Mary things that hopefully they know from home and from going to mass, but that we're reinforcing, but also things that they probably haven't learned yet, like an act of contrition that goes hand in hand with, um, you know, first reconciliation and things like that. So along with memorizing, they memorize directly from the first communion catechism, you know, they'll go along lesson by lesson and do, I think a lot of people remember that from maybe when they were children you know, <laughs> to go through and ask the question and then memorize the answer and recite it. And, you know, who made me? God made me. Why did God make me? So they'll go through the whole catechism and memorize those too. And they're just at this stage, just little sponges. So it's kind of amazing um, how much they're able to memorize. So we try to take advantage of that um, and make sure they're memorizing good things. Yes just to kind of couple alongside with that, I think also like on the spiritual aspect um, with first Holy communion prep and first confession prep, we're really like in the spiritual realm, we're really preparing them for the battle that they'll be facing for the rest of their lives. And I think the important aspect of that is making sure they're equipped with tools that they can use that are practical, um, but also are just stored in their mind. Like Colleen was saying, we really focus and emphasize memorization because there's beauty in that. Um, when you're in college or in your, when you're in high school or a mom one day, whatever your vocation may be, um, you can pull from what you learned during this time, that, that early stage in your life. You can pull from those things you memorized and use them for whatever you're going through at that moment. And I think that's really what um, is beautiful about our program is that it really does focus on that lifelong aspect um, this year, one um, thing that we've kind of incorporated as well is um, not just working in our catechism or in our religion textbook and activity book, but also is scripture. We've incorporated scripture. We have a morning meeting on um, Mondays before our religion class. Um, and during that time in second grade, we're focusing on a scripture verse for each school week that kind of pushes us into whatever we're going to be talking about in religion that day. Like, you know, in scripture and Hebrews, I think it says that um, scripture is 
you know, it's a living and moving. The word of God is living and moving, moving, and it's breathing and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. And so giving our students those weapons that they can use when they face the battles of life, that's, I mean, that's kind of our goal. And to be doing that is such a privilege. Really interesting to me what you're saying. It was bringing back, as I was converting, one of my teachers was a lifelong Catholic, and she would talk about First Communion prep using the Baltimore Catechism materials when she was a little girl and how she would, even at that age, when she was much older than I was at that point, 20 years older than me or whatever, she said those were, those were still ingrained in her memory and she would reflect on them and, and they were just this anchor for her. So it's it's interesting how, how well that sticks. With... It does. Yeah. I mean, even thinking back to my own childhood, I mean, I can recall like little verses that I learned from like a song back in like when I was a toddler, you know, those things, um, those little devices that we used to use just to remember. And it does, it sticks with you. Unfortunately, I wasn't Catholic. So I think I just have commercial ditties or uh, <laughs> in, my, in my brain. But uh... I, I'm with you. I'm also a convert. So I didn't get to have those. Uh, I, I converted when I was 19. So I didn't get to have those little things like always ringing around in my head, but I still, when I, I, when I converted in college, I still went through the Baltimore children's catechism with a priest and, you know, just to make it, he wanted it just to be, you know, like, like break it down as simple as possible as possible. Like it doesn't, let's go through what the catechism says. And even just this children's catechism, even just as simple as it is, and you ask me a question, or if you have, if you don't understand that you ask, like, even as an adult, or barely an adult, it was like a huge formational tool for me, because it was so clear, but also simple. And like, you're able to grasp it. it's written in a way. I mean, our, our, our church does that on purpose, right? It's, it's written in a way that we can all understand. And then, you know, later, you're encouraged to kind of question and make sure that it makes sense. And, you know, if it has to be all complicated and convoluted, then that's kind of a sign that it doesn't make sense, right? <laughs> so it's good that it's simple and we can go through it and understand it really easily, even even as children. It's tried and true. It's a good point about uh, having good communication with the parish, I think, as homeschooling families, I think to varying degrees. That can be kind of a tricky business in a, in a interfacing with the parish when we make religion studies part of our daily doings and and working with the with the parish on that when it's a sacramental year first communion or confirmation do you have other thoughts about blending the colby curriculum with parish-based catechesis i mean there's a couple different ways i think i could go with that question right of, okay i think you know we're always looking for community with our mm -hmm. parish so it, whether or not you know we do a lot of our sacrament prep and our faith formation in our own home. Uh, but, you know, my husband and I have amazing friends, resources, tools, and we're very blessed by that just through, you know, we went to Franciscan University. We have a very vibrant Catholic community around us. Um, but that doesn't stop us from wanting to be very much a part of our parish, integrated with our parish. Um, sure. But it's been tricky because, yeah, the faith formation program at, at our parish, um, while wonderful, it's more targeted towards a much larger larger audience, right, as we find in many parishes. And so the way Ian and I have always thought to connect is through being involved. So through, you know, he'll teach confirmation at the parish. 
we'll go to different youth group um, events and just try to join into the community and and learn from the kids and and have exposure and have our children have exposure to other children of, of the same faith. That's our main goal, I think. So it's less for us with integrating with our parish. It's been um, more about the community, the relationships, and the exposure to family life than anything else. And um, we've been very blessed by that. But you know, every parish we've moved a lot too, which is the tricky piece, right? When you move a lot, you move parishes a lot. Yeah. So and at every parish, you know. Things, there are things different, different expectations. Yes. Right. Yeah. Our parish, I, I think I mentioned that I was the, the, the DRE for our parish for a while and um, our diocese wanted to move more toward, um, you know, family catechesis. Like you're, you're catechizing the families, you know, I, like you want the parents to have the knowledge that they can give to their kids because it doesn't, you know, it's not always effective. I mean, I would say it's, it's never effective to have parents who drop their kids off at, at catechism lessons and go and don't go to mass. And, you know, they want their kids to, to learn the faith for whatever reason, but they're not also learning the faith, but to, to kind of, um, to kind of piggyback on what Nicole was saying, I think that um, part of a way to kind of integrate um, all the expectations from different parishes regarding um, sacraments and, and all that is, um, like thinking of the parish as kind of like your cultural, um, center, hopefully like as Catholics, we all have this really rich culture that we all have in common, this amazing, you know, like feast days and things like that, that you, you want your kids to remember and to, to really, um, soak in when their kids like we, we have been talking about this in our community, um, like really emphasizing the, the feast days at our parish, because like, even if you, um, even if you grow up without religion, but you're kind of, you know, secular, you remember Christmas, right? Christmas is a big deal. If your family celebrates Christmas, it's a big deal. And so even more so in Catholic families, um, you know, if you're celebrating these feast days, your kids are going to really internalize that. They're going to remember you know, all saints day is a big deal. And like, why is it a big deal? Uh, okay. Because, you know, we're celebrating all the saints who, you know, the church triumphant basically. But if you ingrain that in them at a young age, it, it just, it, it stays in their mind. You know, it's always, it's, they're going to remember those things. So I think it's, it's helpful when a parish kind of grasps that identity as like the cultural um, the cultural center for all of these different people. And in any way you can like volunteering to help that happen, you know, that I think that can be really helpful in terms of making sure your, your child has a really cohesive, um, religious education. Mm-hmm. Well, you all mentioned some of the work you're doing in homeroom with the scripture study and the other curriculum you're using toward this end. Would you take us through some of the other initiatives you have going on? You have the, the Virtue series that you're doing each month. That's that's really wonderful to see. I enjoy those videos when they come out. And But you're doing a lot more in the elementary school that I'm not privy to since I don't have an elementary schooler anymore. So do you tell us more about your, your Virtue Growth series that you're working on? Sure. Um, this was one of the, to me, one of the core pieces that I wanted in place when we launched elementary. Uh, as kind of that 
golden thread, <laughs> you know, of in being classical, wanting to interweave the subjects, interweave the faith, and seeking to grow in virtue is one of the active ways we can do that. And especially with young ones, you know, we don't just sit around and be virtuous. <laughs> it doesn't just happen, you know. It's it's almost like those roller skates I'm picking up. It's an exercise, something you have to work towards. Um, and having some accountability in that is always super helpful for me as a parent too. I always have virtues I want to work on myself or with my kids, but if there's some monthly reminder or focus or challenge, um, I'm much more up to pick it up and, and meet with my team and make it happen. So that's kind of the, the background vision is to have a shared goal as a community that leads us closer to Christ that helps us with our faith, helps us grow in those virtues that we're always seeking to grow in. So, um, you know, we use the curriculum. It's developed by the Dominican sisters in Nashville and it's free curriculum. It's a beautiful focus that ties different saints and how the lives of those saints exemplify the virtue that we're working towards. During the month of September, uh, we start with faith. And the reason we're starting with faith this um, month or this year is because we are doing year A, it's a three cycle program, faith, hope, and charity. We're doing the faith cycle. And so first establishing what is faith, uh, how can we grow in faith and what can we do with that? So what that looks like in our classrooms, every teacher brings it into their homeroom classroom in different ways, but we try to have some anchor points. So we have, you know, images of the saints. Um, We talk about the saints who have exemplified the virtue. We ask the students to ponder this particular virtue, how they can live it out in their home, in their classroom, and then kind of check in with them throughout the month. Hey, you know, as they're in different lessons, how does this exemplify this, um, this virtue and how are we, how are we doing with that? So. And you make the videos available to the whole Colby community as well. So the, the families who are offline, so to speak, they can also travel this road along with you guys who are working on it together yeah. in your online classrooms. That The goal was really to bring us together as a whole community everybody because we're all in the trenches teaching our kids seeking to grow and whether we're in an online classroom or in our in our own homes um, on our own schedule just having something that brings us together Uh, there's a monthly email that goes out to all families as well which is our liturgical living guideposts and um, that's connected to these virtual videos and it's just you know an invitation to enter into like Colleen was saying the liturgical calendar the celebrations the feast days everything that's so wonderful and fun and rich about our faith and it has some beautiful reflections meditations so um you should have if you're on our email list you should have received that for the month of september and we'll have another one coming out for for the next month i really love a lot of this as as we've said multiple things here i just keep thinking about like you know the the sponge-like stage and so looking at the virtues, looking at those, the Baltimore Catechism, and just thinking about now how they're there in your in your mind. So like if you're working with your guardian angel who can help to bring those to the forefront when you need them, or, or even at times where I've heard reverts, people who have fallen away from the faith, but then later in their life, there's these concrete things that are just in there that they haven't thought about and they come up and that creates an event or a, a recollection that, that leads them back. It's so it's, it, you know, I can understand. I'm starting to understand more the the love of second grade when you have a focus mm-hmm. on this and, and just what a lifelong impact that can have by presenting good and true things to these, these young minds. That's, that's really great. 
It's interesting the focus too on on the memory work that is a a, a significant piece of the classical approach in the younger years. But I think in the larger scope, it almost has a bit of a, well, I'll use as an example, when I was studying piano before I went to college to major in that, there was some discussion of, do I do I really need to memorize this piano music? Why do I need to memorize it? Can't I just play off my sheet music? And, and you know, other, instrument, other instrumentalists do that, singers do that, we do that when we're collaborating with each other, we all have our music, so we stick together. But why, why would I need to memorize it myself? And there's so much I, my understanding of that has come a long way during since that time of, oh, it's it's not that big a deal that I have to memorize it. That's not really so important. But I see very much the value in it now having um, my own experience of memorizing a lot of piano music over the years and also working with my students at home who are having who had things to memorize and hearing so much in greater detail from you guys about the value of the memory. What do you think about that when, when you encounter some kind of um, skepticism about the the value of the memory work. I um, so I too came to the faith um, in a rich sense much later, and I remember a priest. I I went to him and I was saying, you know, am I praying? <laughs> you know, am I doing this right? And he was very much like, um, and I, I asked him about the rosary specifically, and he's like, just just pray it, like just keep praying it. If you want to know if you're praying the rosary right, just keep doing it. And so, you know, I prayed the rosary a lot um, in those early days and memorized it. And what was funny is then, you know, later now too, when I'm having a hard time or I'm struggling, like those prayers that I've memorized and the repetition and the beauty of the rosary is such a comfort. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, sometimes we'll get some criticism as Catholics, you know, you guys just memorize a bunch of prayers. None of it's from your heart. (laughs) And I just, my own experience with that has been um, that it's an amazing, beautiful gift and a tool the Holy Spirit uses to give you exactly what you need when maybe you can't access it yourself. So those times when I can't think of what to pray, that rosary and those memorized prayers, they just call me into it. They bring me where I should be. And then the conversation with God is, you know, available to me when maybe it wouldn't have been otherwise. So my main you know, push for memorization is that, is that sometimes we need a tool to give the Holy Spirit uh, a way to intervene in our life. And memorizing good things is an amazing tool to allow the Holy Spirit to enter you and, and, and to work through you. And so the rosary is my favorite prayer, um, if you were curious for that reason specifically. Along with what you're saying about repetition, I mean, like that's true for adults, Um, but especially so for kids. And I think anybody who's had a five or six or seven year old knows that they do not get tired of hearing their favorite story over and over and over again, or their favorite song over and over and over again. And that, um, you know, at at that age, at, at the grammar stage, they don't really, their thinking is very, their brain is very concrete. You know, uh, they're not thinking in abstracts yet. They will, but they're not there yet. So we want to give them concrete ideas to memorize because when they, when they have that solid education in the grammar stage, it's, they're going to, once they start thinking in an abstract way, they're going to be able to recall those concrete things that they learned. And suddenly, you know, the song that I learned about direct objects, um, oh, wow, it makes sense. Like that you finally get it um, when you're older, but you still have that knowledge and you're not 
trying to build up that knowledge as you're learning to think abstractly. So like that repetition, like Nicole is saying, even for the rosary, I think maybe some parents might think, oh, this seems like busy work, right? That's like a, you know, you don't want to do busy work. That's a, that's a red flag, but memorizing is really not busy work. It's really um, giving your child like some concrete tools to move through the stages of learning that they're going to be moving through. Um, so, and especially in children that it's just really useful for their, their future um, and their whole journey through, through education. Just to add to that as well, I think kind of going along what Colleen was saying and saying that some um, families or just other people might view memorization as more of a um, a busy work task or even almost a rigid task. Like it just seems so a little too concrete sometimes. Um, but at the same time, like concrete is really necessary. Like you think about a soldier going into battle, you wouldn't just throw them into the battlefield with nothing to equip them with. Like they need tools, they need something to protect them. And um, I think even though we can't see it maybe with our own eyes all the time, like we should view this, um, the spiritual battle in the same way as we need tools, something concrete to bring us and to really protect us in the battle that is the world and secularism and just living in the world in this life. Um, and I think memorization is one of those tools, memorizing the rosary, memorizing scripture, memorizing your catechism. Those are the tools that we want to give our students at an early age so they have that foundation. And as they're going, they're building the rest of their lives on a sturdy foundation rather than something that has you know, holes in it or something um, that might not be as stable for them later on in their life. This is, again, all, all wonderful things. And it's, as you're talking about this too, it's also thinking, Plus, you're just building a faculty. I mean, if, if this is where one of your faculties, you, I mean, I wish my memory were more disciplined at, at this point in my life so I could memorize things and remember things better than I can. Mm -hmm. But you're not only giving them great stuff to hold in their memory, but mm -hmm. strengthening that faculty of being able to memorize and hold those things. So mm -hmm. it's, it's all good. It's yeah. all good. So as we are coming to a close here of this fun conversation, are there things that we haven't yet talked about that you would like to? Anything else that has come to mind as we've been talking about throughout? I would add along the lines for a second grade family, um, since your child is preparing for these monumental sacraments, um, take your child to mass. Like there's something so beautiful about daily mass. And um, even though they can't receive Jesus yet, um, just being there and getting used to the prayers or the postures during the mass um, is so helpful or, you know, establishing that relationship with your parish priest. And um, that way, once they do go to confession for the first time, you know, there's there's that recognition of who they are and it's a familiar face. Um, so, yeah, that would be my biggest recommendation. Go to mass and engage in your church, family life and parish. Excellent. Yes. So we will include links to uh, the previous episodes, like I mentioned. Also, I think we have links to some of the virtue videos that have come out before that we can share in our show notes. So you can get a, a, a glimpse into to what we're talking about here with these wonderful videos. Uh, there's so much good stuff. We really appreciate you all coming to visit with us today. Nicole, Marissa, and Colleen, thank you so much. Thanks, Bonnie. Thanks, Lou. Thank you so much.
Subscribe to the Colby Cast on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss an episode. And let us know how we're doing by leaving a rating or a review. And as always, feel free to email us at podcast at colby.org. Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam.